Hello, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. And today's show, I have Gemma Lee on the show and she is a menstruation coach and she helps women from around the world help get in touch with their cycles. So really good show today. And we also talk about the cycles uh, for menopause as well, not just if you're menstruating. And we talk about many of the foods that you can eat to help you through each phase of the cycle, which ones are grounding, which ones are more supportive of energy. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et cetera. Um, we talk about some of the toxins that are in, um, you know, menstruation products, pads, and tampons, and we also talk about, you know, some things that can interfere in your hormones, stress, uh, toxins, and other things uh, that can interfere in your hormones and and cause you to have more stressful periods, more PMS symptoms like headaches and and cramps and things of that nature. So really good show today. Got to tune into this one if you are kind of maybe confused about, you know, what's going on with your period, you're worried about, you know, your PMS symptoms, or worried about fertility. We talk about things that interfere in your fertility as well. So I know you guys listening to the show are concerned about toxins. You're concerned about what toxins may be affecting your health. And one toxin you may not have thought of is emotional trauma. So I'm talking more and more about this because it's that really another missing piece of the puzzle when people have kind of done everything physically for their health. They're trying to figure out what's going on with them and they still are not able to find solutions to their health issues or they've done everything for their health, but they still emotionally just feel kind of blah. They just don't feel like they're living the life uh, or, or feeling as well as they should be given everything they do for their health. And so I created a free masterclass called the Emotional Detox Masterclass. You can check it out at emo-detox.com, emo-detox.com. And in this masterclass, I talk about the, the five pillars of emotional trauma and go into detail about all the statistics about uh, you'll be really, really surprised about all the different health issues that are caused by emotional trauma, things that happen to us at the hands of our caregivers, be it you know abuse, be it neglect, um, be it maybe a parent was addicted to drugs or a, a parent was just absent. Um, and it's not necessarily outward abuse as much as people also have neglect where you were taken care of physically, um, you know, you were driven to the soccer games and things like that. Your parents were, they're nice people, but they just weren't able to tune into you emotionally and acknowledge you as a person and just, you know, maybe largely were absent. And so that neglect can be just as harmful to people as, uh, you know, abuse. And so I talk about the adverse childhood experiences that people have or ACEs versus PTSD, a lot of really, really interesting distinctions that you're going to learn about trauma and how it's still affecting you today, your health, uh, your relationships, your job choice, and how it's preventing you from really stepping into your life purpose and how to release it for good. Really important information I'm sharing with you in this masterclass. So check it out emo-detox.com, emo-detox.com. Um, so our guest today, uh, Gemma Lee, um, she's a menstruation cycle expert and a natural contraceptive teacher. And she's also a qualified Ayurvedic coach and the creator of Wellsome. And so for 13 years, she's helped guide women in over 22 countries to embrace their monthly cycles and deepen body awareness 
through personalized coaching, online courses, retreats, and workshops. And she's also known as the down-to-earth, raw, and authentic teacher who makes periods fun. Um, so her teachings are analogy field, um, helping to make the complicated stuff practical, easy, and memorable. And she's located in Australia. Um, she's also a, a full-time human who spends her days coaching, dancing, and creating. And you can learn more, uh, more about Gemma and her work at wellsome.com. Gemma, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So how did you become a menstrual cycle educator and coach? Oh, this is such a good question, Mindy. I grew up as the girl at school that hated being a girl. I never wore skirts. I used to love the movie called Now and Then, and I used to duct tape my boobs because I didn't want boobs. And my brothers used to always tease me about having boobs. And so I really was this young girl who really rejected a lot of being a girl. And um, I went on the contraceptive pill very early in my life of or my menstrual life, I should say. And I was around, you know, 16 and I stayed on the pill for 12 years. And when I came off the contraceptive pill, I was already working in the nutrition industry and I'd already started health coaching and <laughs> I didn't get a period. I just thought, oh, if I come off the pill, like my period will come back. And nine months later, I still hadn't had a bleed. Um, and it had a little bit of spotting and I went to the doctors and was diagnosed with PCOS. And that's when I discovered the menstrual cycle. And I was like, how do people not know more about this? And, you know, after all the things I'd studied anyway in the health area and in nutrition, not one person had mentioned about the cycle. And so I was really confused around that. And that led me down this track of getting into the menstrual world. And now it's something that I talk about all the time. And so were you, did you take the pill like back to back so that you didn't get a menstrual cycle? Is that why you, you kind of were uh, surprised it didn't come back? Mm, well, I just assumed, you know, the ignorance that I had that by taking the contraceptive pill, it just stopped me from falling pregnant. So when I stopped taking the contraceptive pill, my cycle would just continue. So for the 12 years, I still had what's called like a, you know, a pill bleed. Okay. So like a synthetic bleed. And I, I think maybe three times in the whole 12 years, I skipped that, but I never felt really good not having some kind of bleed. It always felt a little bit unnatural for me to not have some form of menstruation, even though I wasn't menstruating. I didn't know that at the time. And um, so when I came off the pill together and I had nothing, I was, I literally felt like I had an alien in my body and I was going crazy. Mm. And that's when I was like, something doesn't feel right here. And my hormones were all out of whack. And of course, having gone on the pill so young and so soon after my menarche, my first menstruation, you know, my ovaries had not really formed a good connection with the glands in my brain. And so it was like, where are you? I can't find you. So it took a bit of time for that to like reestablish. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same thing. I went on the pill when I was 13 because my mother was terrified of me becoming pregnant. She just wanted to prevent it just in case, you know, I didn't say anything about becoming sexually active. And, um, and so was, I, I was on it until I was 35. Wow. You know, I was on it a long, long time. And a lot of times I would skip my period. I would take it back to back because, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't like getting my period. And, and, and so I'd skip it many, many times, you know? Um, so, so why is discovering it and like reconnecting with your cycle so important? So like maybe getting off the pill or even if you're not on the pill. Reconnecting with your cycle is like honoring who you are and who you're born to be. And, you know, even 
I like to say, Wendy, that not all those who menstruate are women. Some who identify with a different gender might also be menstruating. So for menstruators out there, living with a cyclical nature is actually one of the best things to honor your overall cycle. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that different genders work on different cycles. So those born without a menstrual cycle, don't have a 24, a 28 day cycle. They have a 24 hour cycle. So I always think of, you know, if we look at the classic genders of femme, um, feminine man is that, you know, my dad loves to eat the same thing for lunch every freaking day for the last 50 years. And that's such <laughs> a great example of, you know, the men's hormonal cycle working on a 24 hour period. Whereas for born menstruators, us women out there who are menstruating, we have a 28 day, 29 day, some it's 26, some it's 33, but our hormones change every single day differently. And because of that, we live in a very cyclical nature and we are much more connected with the earth in that cyclical nature when we honor our cycle. And so that's, when you think about it, everything runs on a cycle from the tides to the moon cycle, to the seasonal cycle around the year, the food season, seasonal growing, everything is cyclical. And when we start to live cyclical, we can actually become more in balance with our bodies. Yeah. I, I used to like it when I, I was having my, my menstruation cycle that after you have your cycle and then you have a buildup of estrogen and then you're, you're glowing more, your skin's glowing more, you become a trap, more attractive to other men and things like that. So I re, always, always used to really enjoy that, that part of my cycle. The other ones, not so much. <laughs> That's the, like, I, I describe that as like the sexy, sassy Beyonce phase of your cycle where you feel unstoppable, literally. Yeah. Can you kind of the four phases of the cycle? Yeah, of course. So in the allopathic medicine way, we look at the four phases as menstruation, the follicular phase, ovulation, and then the luteal phase. When I'm working with kids or even women going through menopause, I like to describe them as the seasons of the year. And lots of people around the world have done this for many years, but menstruation is very much like winter. So if you think about winter in the outer world, I live in a part of the world where we don't get a very, very cold, snowy winter. But if you think of winter as that snowy winter where you're bunkering down, I call this the bear season. So you're really like hibernating. You want to be inward. You want to have the warm foods. You don't want to have social life over the top in your calendar. That's your menstrual time. So when you're menstruating or or your period, as some people also call it, After we've menstruated, we move into this beautiful spring phase. And that's that transition where you feel like you're not happy or comfortable in your body. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm back. I have energy and I can go outside and I can catch up with people. That's your springtime, also known as your follicular phase. And that's where you're talking about, Wendy, where your estrogen is increasing and you're like, oh, I'm glowing and I feel really confident in my body. And this is like, Um, the dolphin phase. So when I work with kids, I call this the dolphin time of your cycle where you feel really playful and creative. Then from our spring, we move into summer and summer is that ovulatory phase of our cycle. And the ovulation is very much like the heat and the yang of summer. So if you think of summer, summer is the time where you want to be outdoors, you want to be with your friends and your family, and you want to be really social. You want to have late nights. So you sleep a little bit less. And our ovulatory time of our cycle is very much like that. And that's that sexy, sassy Beyonce time. After we've ovulated, we move into the luteal phase and that's the the half of the cycle that most people really dread. Um, And they 
you know, aren't friends with, I'll just say that in a nice way. They really reject that that part of their cycle. And that's what I call inner autumn. And inner autumn in the outer world of the seasons is also the time of the year. And I know as recording this, it's fall in North America and fall is the time where people are like, oh my God, I don't want to let go of summer and it's getting cold. And do I have to pull my boots and my jackets out? And that's the time where we get a bit of FOMO or we feel like we're miss, missing out on summer. And inner autumn is actually a really beautiful time in our cycle as we move through pre-menstruation and meant towards menstruation again. It's all about feeling strong and getting things done and being really articulate. And for some women and menstruators, this is where you're like, oh my God, I just feel like I'm hungry and I want to eat all the food out of the house. And I have mood swings. And that's because we're going through natural changes inside our body. But as we adapt and live more in that cyclical nature, we were talking about, we start to live more in harmony with each of the four phases. And as we do that, it really brings more harmony into how we feel on a daily basis. Yeah. And are there some like key foods that you can eat for each phase of the cycle to kind of Mm. help your hormones a little bit or help the transition? Definitely. I love eating cyclically. So I call this cyclical eating and it goes back to the story I mentioned about my dad. He's always eating the same things every day, but as menstrual women and people, I'm sure you're like, I'm eating three, like the same thing for three weeks in a row. And then you get to this phase where you're like, I just want to eat something different or you're craving something different. And it's very natural for us to want to eat differently each week of our cycle, each phase of our cycle. So menstruation, that winter time is all about warm food. So think about the food you would love to eat in your normal winter in the outer seasons things like soups and stews. They're very supportive. They're warm. They support healthy blood flow and having lots of like root style vegetables, like beetroots, parsnips, carrots, um, pumpkins, onions, garlic, even um, beetroots, like I said, but having red foods is also really good. So like tomatoes or a tomato based like minestrone soup, these are really great foods for our inner winter time. Inner spring is that like oh, spring's here. Let's start having some more fresh food as opposed to slow cooked food. And so I like to think about eating green foods at this time of your your cycle. So welcoming in more fruits and vegetables, having fresh fruit, especially in the springtime in the outer seasons. It's like, oh, this is mango season. Mangoes are coming. And so we all want to eat mangoes or we want to really start having more salads. And so spring is really great for that. Summer is the time where I'm always like, People are so excited about their life in summer that they don't eat as much food or they eat more socially. So the way your hormones are positioned in your inner summer when you're ovulating, you're actually more supportive for digestion. So if you have a a temperament in your digestive system where maybe you don't eat a lot of dairy and dairy doesn't sit super well with you, if you wanted to eat it, that would be the time of your seasons to eat that. So in a summer, you feel more confident, your digestive system's more confident because of the hormone balance. So eating out is a great thing to do in summer. It pleases you socially and it also makes you feel good. You get to dress up and it's a great time to eat out at that time of your cycle. But this is also a time where you might want to eat more raw foods. So having things like sushi is a really good thing to do. Maybe you have a smoothie. I don't always condone having lots of smoothies, but um, at that time of your cycle, having colder food is definitely welcomed. And then when we move into autumn, this is the dun, 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 dun <laughs> stage of your cycle. And this is oh, where we have chocolate. <laughs> yes. People like, I'm just eating all the sweet things. <laughs> And um, it's so true, Wendy, though, and good sources of chocolate 
So think of like dark, you know, dark chocolate have really good um, variety of minerals. And so those minerals like magnesium can be very supportive of menstruation. So I don't believe in restriction. So don't not eat something, but if you are having a desire for chocolate, what if we just chose a better quality chocolate instead of like a fast food option of chocolate? And yes, it might cost a little bit more, but maybe you'll eat it a little bit more harmoniously instead of just scoffing the whole thing down. So chocolate's definitely one of those foods. But inner autumn is a really great time to have things that are slow cooked, but also roasted in the oven. So this is a time I like to have like pot veg, for example, and we want to feel really grounded. So eating grounding foods, like those foods that grow in or on the ground. So like zucchinis, pumpkins, like I mentioned for menstruation, carrot, parsnips, onions, garlics, they're very whole grounding foods and slowly cooking them. Not to mention if you're getting those good sources of carbohydrates, they actually help you feel a little fuller a bit longer. And it's really, really important at this time of your cycle, if you have mood swings or those hangry cravings to make sure you're getting good sources of protein, especially in that first portion of the day. So that might be eggs, or maybe you like to have, you know, beans or legumes added onto like stir fried greens for breakfast, but really important to get your proteins in the morning. Yeah. Well, I don't have my period anymore. I'm in menopause, but when I did, it was all about that chocolate. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I knew when I started having these voracious cravings for chocolate, I was like, "Hmm, I think I need some magnesium and some copper to help things along um, is your, your body's innately intelligent. It, it, it knows so what to make you crave, you know? And mm-hmm. so, uh, so could you talk a little bit about PMS? And so what if things in your cycle aren't going kind of as planned and uh, are, you know, signs of PMS kind of more common when not living in tune with mm-hmm. each part of your cycle or if yes, you're not definitely. kind of doing things to take care of yourself. So what kind of exacerbates PMS symptoms? Mm, This is a really great question. The biggest thing that brings on PMS, and I like to call them cycle signs rather than pre-menstrual symptoms or or signs, um, is stress. Stress and poor quality sleep are the two biggest factors that contribute to things like PMS and cycle signs. People think stress and sleep, are you serious? But what happens is a lot of women don't live in that cyclical nature of their cycle. So they're not really honoring their rest time when they're menstruating. They're not really honoring rest and then outwardness and, you know, being social when they're ovulating. And what happens is there's so much pressure put on them in their lifestyle that when it comes to that premenstrual phase, like everything just hits the bloody roof. Yeah. And things just start to crumble apart. So when we're looking at stress, stress, is the biggest contributor because it communicates either safety or urgency on the body. So when we think about stress, it's not just work stress. It could be relationship stress, finance stress, other health stress issues that could be going on. And when we feel stress, that communicates fight, flight, or freeze to the body. And as menstruators, we're born to reproduce and our body's only going to reproduce in a safe space. So if we don't feel safe and supported in our external world, and stress might be present, making us feel unsafe, the body slowly starts to reduce the thing that's the least important, which is reproduction. Because, you know, it's more important to breathe and to detox and to digest. And so it slowly starts to shut that reproductive system down. And Wendy, that's what can lead to long cycles, irregular cycles, missed periods like anamenorrhea, and other things can occur. That's where we talk about those real PMSy kind of um, 
tensions like pain, cramps, headaches, migraine, acne, um, menstrual pain and discomfort, heavy menstruation, clotting, stagnancy. So maybe we're not actually bleeding properly. We're having lots of stagnant flow and spotting for a few days. Stress is the biggest leader to that. And then there's many other things. Stress then impedes on your sleep. And then when you're not having good sound sleep, it throws our hormones off balance. And people always think, Wendy, well, why is my sleep affecting my, my menstruation? You know, my ovaries are down there and my sleep, you know, is not down there. And that's because our whole body is so intricately connected through the endocrine system. And when we really understand that how we live our life directly impacts how our body responds, we can go, okay, I can start to understand why our body has those cycle signs or PMS. Yeah. And also, I mean, women can skip uh, releasing an egg where even if they're trying to get pregnant, if they're really, really stressed, they might not release an egg and just have trouble getting pregnant as well. Totally. And that happens a lot. Um, when you look at the fertility side, a lot of women who have a stress cycle, it actually shortens their luteal phase. And, you know, even if they are ovulating, they might have a non-fertile cycle because their luteal phase is so short. And because that's so short that, you know, they don't have enough supportive lining to actually house and support the embryo. And then the body just moves forward to the next menstruation. So yeah, you're very spot on there. And it's a big challenge that's happening in the world of fertility at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of challenges in fertility and toxins uh, being among them. Um, can you talk at all about how toxins and heavy metals are affecting uh, menstruation and fertility? Oh, this is a great question. I knew this was going to be a question from you being the, the toxin expert and with heavy metals. I like to think of, you can look at in in a few different ways. First, you can look at the heavy metals and the toxins in menstrual products. So we'll talk about tampons first, you know, tampons, a lot of people think, oh, but surely it's white, you know, can't, it's made of cotton. Can't we use this? But a lot of tampons are very heavily soaked and bleached and, you know, dyed and covered in not great chemicals. And when we're putting that in our body that, you know, our body absorbs and leaches into all of that. So it's really important to look at what we're using as products, but then we can look at our entire lifestyle. I know, Wendy, you would look at skincare products, home care products, how are we storing our food? Where is our water quality coming from? And how is that contributing to, to our cycle? And the, the more we clean the toxins out of our life, the easier our body comes back into harmonious cyclical rhythm and we can have easier produ production of hormones, but also it stops overproduction of hormones or dampening of the detoxification system, which then challenges the detoxification of excess estrogen, which then can also lead to um, cycle imbalances. So heavy metals and toxins are found in so many places and many of them can actually be estrogen inhibitors. So they actually help produce extra estrogen in the body and that can throw out the cycle. I'm sure you've seen that a lot in your own practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the hormones just wreak havoc of uh, the heavy metals and toxins wreak havoc on your hormones. I mean, it's just uh, without question or in so many mm. different ways as well. Um, and so let's talk about how people can get to know their own cycle. Are there any, any apps or things that you recommend for people to, to track their cycle and mm. kind of help figure out this mystery a little bit? Definitely. I think 
education is power when it comes to our cycle. We've definitely moved out of the era of uneducated cycles as young teens and tweens. So as an adult listening to this, there's no better time to start learning about your cycle than right now. Apps are fantastic. They're a great introductory to learning about your cycle. So you've got apps like Clue, Flow, MyFlow, um, even Apple now has a menstrual cycle tracker on their watches in their health program. So apps are a great way to understand what day of your cycle you're on and how long the cycle is. So that's a foundation to kind of getting to know your cycle. The best way to really dive deep into your cycle is tracking your cycle with a written app. Now, if you've never done this before, it only takes like 30 seconds, 60 seconds a day to just check in and actually put pen to paper and writing down how do I really feel today? What was coming up for me? What were my cycle signs? And Wendy, I always say to clients and people in the Well Women Academy that the app of uh, the apps are great, but it's the bit tap, tap, swipe, forget. And we're lost so much in the, the appy world out there that putting pen to paper is beautiful. And the most important thing to write down on your cycle tracker is anything you would bitch to your best friend about. So anything that you're like complaining about or you are constantly like whining over and it's irritating you that much, definitely write that on your tracker. And then after three cycle trackers, you can go back and go, wow, every day on day 24, I always have this big crash of energy. And then I have this huge surge of cravings. And you can start to see your own natural rhythms and your own natural patterns. So a written tracker is the best way to go. And I have a free one of those on my website. If anyone wants to access that, comes with videos on how to use it. And there's also trackers for women who are no longer menstruating, for example, through menopause or premenopause, perimenopause, or even menarche pregnancy or someone who's going off, you know, hormonal contraception or missing their period for whatever reason and are looking to get it back. It's a great way to bring in that cyclical nature so that you can feel supported as you do start menstruating again or moving throughout beyond menstruation. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so key to track these things. I know when I was menstruating that the day before my period started, I would get really angry at things where I'd be triggered really, really easily. And then I eventually, then the next day my period start, I'd be like, oh, that's what that was about. And so it was very important for me to not uh, know when my period was starting and not getting caught up in those feelings of thinking, mm-hmm. ruminating, getting angry about things that, and I, I realized it was just hormonal. It didn't, it didn't really have much to do with what was going on like around me, you know? Um, so that was very, very helpful to know when my period was starting. Um, so can, can you talk about some, a, a few ways that women can connect, uh, to their menstrual cycle and really kind mm. of, you know, help uh, with the, um, you know, transitional phases to each part of the, the cycle? Mm, beautiful question. I think one of the best ways for menstruators to really get to know their body and their menstrual cycle is feel into your body when you're menstruating. Now, I don't necessarily mean physically, I mean like tuning in. So maybe try changing up the menstrual product that you're using. Period undies are a fantastic way to get to know how menstruation actually feels, you know, using a menstrual cup or a tampon you don't get that full sensation of actually bleeding and, oh, actually I can feel that, you know, my menstruation is moving through me right now. So that's one beautiful way to get to know your body. The other thing is when you're tracking your cycle, notice your energy shifts. This is such an easy one. Like, okay, when do I go from feeling really inward in my body and low in energy to feeling really outward in my body and higher in energy? That's a great representation of that shift from that winter phase to spring 
kind of as we go towards that yang style of our cycle. And then again, after we've ovulated, when we hit that new inner autumn time of our cycle. So energy is a really good one. Tuning into your libido is also a really great way that you can kind of tap into where you are in your cycle. Naturally, our libido is quite low when we're menstruating and naturally it's quite high when we're ovulating for obvious reasons. (laughs) You know, we're looking for a male partner to reproduce with. So when we look at our libido, libido can be a great sign of whether there's an imbalance of the cycle, if we have no libido at all. Um, But it also can be a really great key of maybe when we are moving into a fertile time of our cycle. So that's another one that's a really great way to understand and how we can tap into how we feel. And the next one I would like to say, Wendy, is tap into your food. Like, how do you feel around the meals that you're eating? Are you feeling really drawn to like, oh, I don't care about my body today. I'm just going to binge on all these foods that I'm craving. Or are you really conscious about how food feels in your body and how digestion feels in your body? So that's another one that you can do. And of course, there's many more with, you could look at sleep, you could look at poo. The list is really endless, but they're great places to start because everyone knows how they feel energetically. Everyone knows or everyone eats hopefully some food in their lifetime and can understand, you know, when they have cravings, when they have shifts in their meals, oh, I'm actually really honoring how I feel and I'm really craving deep, warm food today as opposed to like craving a smoothie, for example. Um, And then libido, you know, sex isn't an often talked about topic, um, but, you know, we all exist because of menstruation and a menstrual cycle and we all exist because of sex, well, most of us anyway. So sex and your libido is a really great topic to explore for yourself to really, you know, know how you feel and honor your cycle. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to pay attention to your libido because the absence of a libido can mean that something is, uh, you know, perhaps wrong that you have too much stress or there's something going on with your cycle. Like for me, I know when I was on the pill for so long, I didn't have a libido for a really long time. And that should have, I didn't know it at the time, but that should have been signed to me that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not living naturally within my cycle and, and it, that causes problems, um, mm-hmm. in your relationship. If you just have zero desire, uh, to have sex, cause you have no libido and you hear about t- people talking about this libido and you're like, well, where's mine. And I think a lot of women struggle with, um, you know, preventing unwanted pregnancies versus, um, and, and tr- having that trade-off with that. And then, not having a libido or a very low one because of being on uh, the pill. Mm, And there's a big movement of people coming off hormonal contraception and really starting natural fertility or natural contraceptive tracking. And that's the whole thing. When you go on hormonal contraception, it's to diminish your ovulation. And when we ovulate back to what I was saying before, it brings an increase in estrogen as our FSH is rising, getting ready to release the egg that's getting us ready to be sexual so that we can reproduce. So when hormonal birth control diminishes and actually stops ovulation, it's naturally also going to slow down and stop libido. And so it's a great sign that if you are feeling not connected with your sexuality through knowing when you have a high libido or a low libido, like look into that. Like that's a really optimal sign of health, a healthy libido. Yeah. And is there Mm. anything else that we haven't talked about that you wanted to bring up? I mean, like for one thing, like cycles and menopause, um, Mm. do some of these out, these things you talked about the different cycles still apply to menopause, even though we really don't, we're not menstruating anymore. 
This is, I thank you for asking this question. This is a beautiful question. I've had so many clients who are in that peri premenopausal phase who are asking like, oh my God, this is so challenge, challenging for me. Like, how can I make this an easier transition? And I'm a really big believer, Wendy, that the menopausal signs of like hot flushes and night sweats, they're all a sign of not understanding your cycle and connecting with your cycle. So if you're listening to this and you're going through this phase in your life or it's upcoming for you, the best thing I would recommend is start tracking your cycle. People are like, but how do you do that when you're not menstruating? You can use the moon. And so us as born women, we are born to be cyclical. And so that cyclical nature is living in tune with a different phase every few, every week or so. And that's also living in tune with the different phases of the moon. It sounds a little bit woohoo, but it's actually really easy. Every day that the new moon falls on, that would be your day one of your cycle. So you'd kind of in inverted brackets be ovulating when you're when the full moon is present in the sky. So by doing that as women, we get to live in a cyclical nature so we can still understand, okay, I'm actually in my outward phase of my cycle right now with the yang of the moon. I'm in the inward phase of my cycle with the yin of the moon. And regardless of whether you're menstruating or not, connecting with that cyclical nature actually helps you be more in tune with your body. And when you have more um, awareness and more knowledge of how you feel on a daily basis, you can best better support yourself. So you can avoid things like the hot flushes and the night sweats and the irritability and going through menopause is also very similar to going through menarche. So menarche is that first menstruation, that transition into becoming a menstrual being. And that transition takes a bit of time. So when we start menstruating as teens and tweens, we don't instantly start ovulating and ovulating every single cycle straight away. Sometimes there's a bit of period where we're not ovulating. We might not get our period again for another 60 days. And that occurs for a couple of years, very similar to menopause. So the same rule that I kind of guide young teens and tweens with is the same for women who are going through menopause is start tracking your cycle, go, okay, how can I eat to serve where I am right now? How can I move my body to serve where I am right now? And the women who I've found who have tracked their cycle before getting to menopause, their menopausal journeys are actually much softer and they're easier because they're more aware and they just continually track and live in this cyclical nature. Yeah. And I think it's also something to be aware of is that, um, you know, when you're hitting perimenopause, you know, your cycles can get very, a lot heavier. Um, you know, I've had friends tell me that they had really heavy bleeding and it kind of freaked them out and that they want to go to their doctor and figure out what's going on with them. Um, but it's just, it can be very natural to have these more erratic periods, not normal, you know, skipping periods and things like that. And then I think, um, it's really important to start learning how to reduce stress during this time, because the more stress you have, the, the less hormones, your, um, your body's going to be able to create, like your adrenal glands are going to be able to create, cause they kind of take over when your ovaries shut down and stop producing as many hormones. You're spot on. And I think a lot of menstruators really dread menopause. Like they're quite scared of the menopausal journey. Like if I think of my mum's menopausal journey, I'm like, oh my God, I really hope that doesn't happen to me. But yeah, opening the refrigerator, trying to cool off, <laughs> standing in the freezer. <laughs> laying face so down hot. on the tiles, face yeah, down on the tiles in the middle of the night, trying to get cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, because estrogen regulates your your body temperature to a certain degree. 
Yeah. And menopause is like a complete repatterning. So your entire endocrine system, and you mentioned the adrenals and um, like the thyroid, the hypothalamus, your um, pituitary and pineal gland, they're kind of re-regulating, like their jobs are shifting. And so it's kind of like they're entering retirement and they're like, well, what do I do with myself now? I don't know. Like I've been doing this other thing for so many years and now what do I do? And so it's very transitional and it takes time. And I think if we approach it in like a day by day basis, like you said, okay, where is my stress levels? Am I honoring my body with sleep? Am I nurturing and nourishing my body? And a lot of women aren't getting enough good sources of protein, which is a big challenge for menstrual women and menstrual health. But what can we do to help support that transition? And it's always great at that time to like go and see a naturopath or a nutritionist to just get an overview of, okay, what can I really do right now to best support myself nutritionally? I think working out, like using your body and moving is so important. So what can I do to actually help produce other hormones like oxytocin and serotonin in the body, which also supports the production later in the day of melatonin? What can I do in a movement basis that serves where I am in my lifestyle and my age, but also supports my body for longevity and transition through menopause? Um, And I think that's a really important one too that a lot of people forget about is movement can be very supportive for stress, very supportive for sleep too. Right. Fantastic. Well, Gemma, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate your contribution, helping women get more in touch with their cycles and their menstruation and kind of illuminating some, you know, illuminating some of this mystery uh, that, you know, surrounding our cycles and, and help women understand their bodies more. Mm, you're so welcome, Wendy. Thank you for having me. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast. And I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. And every week I bring you experts from around the world to help you up-level your health. So I hope you got some nice little nugget out of the show today that can help you with your health. So thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.